I love that song, uh, but it's one thing to sing it, it's another to believe it. Do you believe that God is finding a way for you and for me when it seems that there is no way? And some of you have experienced that journey before, and then you found that God did make a way. And now you're up against the next thing. Believe what you have experienced in the past, that God is always working. And that brings us, I think, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to read a little bit into chapter 2. I believe God has uh, put together uh, not only what our guest uh, preacher, uh, Brother Steve, my friend who preached and did a great job these past two weeks, what he had to say last week about weakness, what we just sang about, and what we're going to look at today, that God is bringing us together before his word that he might speak to us. And so I invite you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and then we'll read through chapter 2, verse 5. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not... To nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God's power this is the reading of God's word you may be seated hey today we do have kingdom kids for our kiddos who are four years old through second grade and Miss Marsh is going to meet them right over here in the hallway and they are going to now begin utilizing our newly remodeled education building so they're going to be downstairs parents of the education building right over here So if at any point you need to go get your kiddo or after church you head over there, there is two little camera things. You're going to use the one on the left. You just push that little button and they'll let you in and you'll stand before those double doors and you'll use the door on your right. We're all trying to figure it out. Don't worry. In a few weeks we'll have the hang of it. Okay? But that's what you'll need to do. And so you can pick them up from the education building downstairs after service. And you can see clearly we got some caution tape up because we're not 100% done yet. Uh, So we want to make sure we kind of avoid that area because there's some screws and nails and all that kind of stuff over here. Okay, so uh, it's really great to be back with you. For those who don't know, the last couple weeks I've been out uh, on vacation. And uh, it was one of those staycation things, you know, where you don't actually go off and stay somewhere. You get to stay home and sleep in your own bed and use your own pillow, which is really nice. If you know what I'm talking about. Some of you had that vacation, use that hotel pillow or your grandmother's pillow that's made out of feathers and it's full of mites. It's not good, right? It's not great. 
And so we stayed home and just did a bunch of fun stuff around, around San Antonio and over in Corpus. It was a great couple weeks. And one of the joys was um, the past two Sundays I got to worship with pastor friends of mine, one of whom you know, Matt Holmeyer, who's a pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in San Antonio. So we got to worship with his church family two weekends ago. And then last weekend I got to worship with my friend uh, Josh Fuentes, and we went to seminary together, and he pastors uh, Crestview Baptist Church on the northeast side of San Antonio, so we got to go worship with him. And kind of cool because then his youngest daughter actually went to kids' camp with our church because they're, they're a smaller church, so they don't have, a, they don't have enough to take to camp. And so uh, his daughter actually go to, got to go to camp with my daughter, and they had a great experience, and that was her first camp experience. And I thought, what a treat that she got to experience camp with First Baptist Kennedy that was her first experience. She is blessed by that. Trust me, because I've been to kids' camp, and Miss Rosemary knows how to do it right. And so they had a great experience, and so wonderful, wonderful week of camp for them. I didn't get to go. I was a little bit sad about that, because uh, often I go to kids' camp. I didn't go this year, but they were in good hands. We had some great sponsors and a wonderful week, and I enjoyed getting to see uh, what all God was doing in their midst. Um, so something kind of neat that uh, I was sharing this with my small group this morning uh, by the way, our adult small group, uh, young, uh, we're couples and singles small group. We, we used to be the young adult small group, and then we aged out of that. So my small group is no longer the young adult small group. We're the youngish adult small group. That's what I'm going to go with. But it's couples and singles, and we meet over here in this building as well, upstairs. Uh, and this was our first Sunday in our new room, and so that was pretty cool. And then by next Sunday, we should have all the children's groups moved back over into the education building as well. And so we'll have the children downstairs with the nursery. I know it was a little inconvenient today if you had nursery and kids, but that's a short-term thing. We're getting it all worked out. And uh, as Rosemary said, that space is beautiful. We can't wait to show it off. So do make plans. It's not going to be a long ordeal, and we're going to try to make the service a little bit shorter next Sunday so that we can just walk over, tour the facility, get a little taste of things. And uh, we want to make sure and do that before Miss Rosemary goes on sabbatical because she has the uh, privilege by our church family to give her a sabbatical, and she's going to start that in August. And so we want to make sure we have that open house before she goes on sabbatical. So it's not 100% done, but, man, you can see. You can tell from the outside it is looking phenomenal, and I don't know, but I think the inside may look better than the outside, so if you haven't checked it out, make sure to stick around after service next Sunday. Again, it's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing. We're just going to walk through, probably share a few words, and let you get to lunch, but uh, that's going to be next Sunday after service, okay? Okay, so that's not what I meant to say. I was going to say something else. What I was going to say was, so uh, last night, I, was, I thought, you know, I haven't watched our service from last Sunday. And anytime I'm out, I generally go back and, and watch the service from the Sunday I missed. Just kind of, one, because I miss you guys and I want to make sure everything went well and I wanted to see how, how everything operated and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was sharing this with my small group this morning that it was kind of cool because I saw my friend Steve up there and I saw he's going to preach from weakness. He's going to talk about weakness from Romans. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, you can go to our website, FBC Kent fbckennedy.org slash sermons and you'll find that sermon out of Romans chapter 15 and he talked about weakness and I thought well, I'm really glad I listened to this first of all because this past week as I was reading through 1 Corinthians which is our reading plan if you don't know our church family we're going through a reading plan together and every week I'm preaching out of something that we read the previous week in our reading plan and so we started 1 Corinthians actually a couple weeks ago and this week as I was reading through 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, I just thought, 
Paul is really focused on this on these group of words, weakness, strength, and power. And I thought, well, because Paul's focusing on this early in this book, I want to I, I want to preach on that. And that's generally how it goes is I try to look for some big theme in that book that we've that we're reading through. And I try to make that the focus of of the sermon, in addition to whatever I feel like the spirit's leading me to share that that uh, seems like something we need to hear. And so it's really neat because I'm sitting in small group. And what is our small group about this morning? It's about meekness, which as we learned, as we uh, study the Beatitudes together, it's about the strength under control. You may call it a quiet, controlled strength. I thought God is just bringing all this together. And then honestly, I, I didn't have anything to do with choosing the songs today. I just showed up like you and I'm ready to go. Let's worship. Right. And we sing in these songs. And what are we singing about? We're singing about God's strength in a sense. God making a way, right? God at work. And I just felt like, man, God is bringing this together. So I don't know what he has for us today, but I know just hearing what Brother Steve said last week when he was preaching, that he sensed now's the time to deliver this sermon that he had been working on for three months. Well, I haven't worked on this one for three months, so don't expect it to be as good as his. But I'm just excited because I think God has something he wants to talk to us about when it comes to strength, weakness, even the word meekness. So let me pause, let me pray, and we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. Pray with me. God, we are grateful for your word and how it speaks to us. That your Holy Spirit has inspired it. Because you want us to hear from you. And that by itself is an amazing thing. And we give you thanks that you are a God who speaks. You are a God who acts. You're a God who is involved in our lives and calls us to center those lives on you. And God, I I don't know about the rest of my friends here this morning, but I'm willing to bet a lot of us come in and we see areas of our life in which we are not strong. We do not feel powerful. We are struggling. We need your help. We don't know what to do. God, I pray that the attitude of Paul, which is a mirror reflection of the attitude of Christ, which is at the heart of the center, the message of Jesus, God, that that would land on us in a way that would transform. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the last few weeks, um, I may have been on social media a little bit more than I normally am. And so I am scrolling through Twitter and someone must have retweeted this guy because I don't follow him on Twitter. How many of you are on Twitter? Raise your hand. Any of you? Okay, so there's three of us. Okay, all right. We should be friends on Twitter. Why aren't we talking to each other, right? So it's a social media platform. There's a bird involved. There's short I don't know. Just look it up. You'll figure it out. It's owned by the richest person in the world. Okay, so if you don't know any of that, now you get a snapshot. So I'm just scrolling through Twitter, right? I'm just looking at stuff, reading stuff. And there's something that kind of caught my eye. It was uh, by the, the, tw- the tweeter. Is that the right? For- Why am I asking you? None of you are on there. All right, never mind. There's a guy who's a psychotherapist. His name is Adam Lane Smith. He's on Twitter. And he says, let me tell you some things that psychotherapists know that are unpopular truths that the world needs to know. That's basically what he's saying. Here's what he says. He says, 
Men need to feel powerful to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Powerless men feel broken and afraid, emasculated. To help a man feel better, you must help him feel powerful. That was one of a series of a lot of tweets and several of them in which he talked about the need for men to feel powerful. And I don't think that's a, a, a male exclusive issue. I think all of us like to feel powerful. I think all of us would like to feel like we can transform our past into something better than it was, that we can conquer the present moment and whatever challenges we're facing, right? Who wouldn't want to feel the power that you can control your future, your destiny, and what lays ahead of us? Who wouldn't want to feel that kind of power? Who does want to feel weak and ineffectual, right? I don't think he's hitting on something that is... uh, A surprise to any of us. We want to have that sense of power over our very lives. And when we have a lack of that sense of power, it can be disruptive, right? There's some aspect of our life that we don't feel that we have control over. We don't have power to affect change in, right? Or it's the circumstances around us that that seem to overpower us and we feel like there's nothing necessarily we can do about it, or at least... It seems that way. So when we get that that sense of powerlessness about the circumstances around us or the things within us, I think there's two things that we often run to. Two ways in which we try to get that power or we give up on that power. Those are the two things. The first thing we do or we may do when we feel a sense of lack of power in our life is we try to go out and get it. I don't have the power I need. I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to find a way to become more powerful. And that's one way. But another way is that we give up altogether. We run into something. We don't have the the sense that we have the power to control it, to conquer it. And we give up. I think those are often the two ways in which we approach a sense of powerlessness. We either give up. Or we try to get it. Now, if I'm honest with myself, as I was thinking through what he said, and I'm thinking through what I just read in 1 Corinthians, and what else I know about the Bible, I'm thinking, to give up is bad. To try to get power is better. But there is the best way to deal with the sense of powerlessness. It's not to give up. It's to not, and it's not to try to go out and get it in our own ability. There's a third way. Let me read the quote again from Adam Lane Smith, the psychotherapist. And, and I'm going to use gender-inclusive language because, like I said, I think this applies to all of us, not just men. We need to feel powerful to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Powerless people feel broken and afraid. To help someone feel better, we must help them feel powerful. So the solution is to get power. That's what he says. The temptation is to give up and become hopeless in the face of not having power. Let me read to you what Paul says. This is in his second letter. He wrote a series of letters to a church in Corinth, which he helped start. I'm going to say a little bit more about that 
in a few minutes. We have two of those letters. We believe he wrote probably four. We have two recorded in Scripture for us. In his second letter, this is what he says. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He's experiencing some kind of a spiritual attack in his life. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what he, so Paul is saying to the Lord, and here, Lord, he's talking about Jesus. He's saying, three times I pleaded with Jesus, take away this spiritual attack that uh, we think likely resulted in some kind of physical ailment like a loss of eyesight or, or diminished eyesight. He says, please take it away. And Jesus said back to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made in weakness. And then this is what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, listen to what he says. Does he say, I need power? I need to feel powerful to be mentally and emotionally healthy? Does he say, I need to, be, I need to feel powerful or else I'll feel broken and afraid? Does he say, I need to be powerful in order to feel better? It's not what he says. He says, I delight in weakness. This is what he's saying. Okay, I don't think I gave you the address. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 10. You may want to jot that down and review that later. He says, I delight in weakness. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And then to close out this section, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So when we come up against a sense of powerlessness and we may just want to give up, which leads to hopelessness. We come up against a sense of powerlessness and we may try to go out and get that power to control our own destiny. Paul says, let me tell you about a third way. Let me tell you about a different way. That's human wisdom. That's human temptation. Let me tell you a different way. Let me tell you the way of Jesus. Let me tell you what I heard him tell me. It's when I'm weak that I find strength. So the question I think is, why is Paul's way of embracing weakness in order to find God's strength better than giving up or going and getting it ourselves? Why is his way better? I think the first is obvious. To give up in the sense of being powerless over things outside of you and inside of you. That's to live in total defeat. It's not a life well lived. It's a life of continual weakness that leads to hopelessness, which means our lives are wasted. And, not all, and that sense of, of a waste of a life is not experienced in a vacuum, right? You may have some people in your life right now and you can tell they've given up. Right. They don't they know they don't have the power to change their present life 
to change their circumstances and they've totally given up. And if you love that person, does that not affect you? Does that not hurt you? Does not that make you sad? So, so the first reason why Paul's way is better is because to give up and to become hopeless is to live a defeated life that not only affects you, but affects those around you. But the second is not as obvious, I don't think. Why is Paul's way better than Adam Lane Smith's way? Don't give up. Go and get that power you need. Why is Paul's way better than that? It's not as obvious. It's not as obvious, I think, because in part, Adam Lane Smith's way is like, the American dream way, right? We, we admire people who have the power to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, right? We admire people who come from nothing and seemingly gain everything. We admire those who overcome obstacles that look impossible to us, right? We admire those who are able to learn from the past and forge a better future, And that is a better story than giving up. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that's a much better story than giving up. But because it's a better story doesn't mean it's the best story. Because it may be a better way than giving up, it doesn't mean it's the best way. Why is it not the best way? Because this is a kind of self-willed power that only goes so far. Certainly there are obstacles in our life that we can overcome. What happens when you come up against those obstacles you cannot overcome? What happens to get power, but there's not enough power to deal with what you're dealing with, right? What then? What happens when you're facing death and there is no power you can find in this world To keep you in it. What then? See this get power so that you can feel better mentality can only take you so far. And I don't know about you, but when I face death, I want good answers. I want clarity that makes sense of life's experience. I want hope. I don't want to feel like, well, I just, you know, I lived a good life for these hopefully 80, 90 years that I was on the planet. I want more than that. I think we all do. In fact, Scripture says that God has planted eternity in our hearts. We long for more than 80 or 90 powerful years on this planet. We want eternity. And there's no power you and I can find in this world to give us that. So it may be a better way than giving up. But it's not the best way. Paul's way is the best way. Because Paul's way is inspired by the Spirit of God. Therefore, Paul's way is God's way. The best way is to be conscious of our own weaknesses. We don't have to deny it. We don't have to pretend like we've got it all together. Be conscious of it. Be aware of it. But that sense of weakness doesn't drive us to despair and give up. 
nor does it drive us further within ourselves to get what we think we need. No, that sense of weakness that we rightfully feel drives us to prayer, drives us to God, drives us to find a strength in Him that we could not find in ourselves or in this world. That's Paul's way. That's God's way. And I think that was Paul's experience. Let me, let me give you a little bit of background about what's happening here in, in Corinthians, okay? Because I think that helps shape a lot of what Paul said, and I want to get to what Paul said. So Paul helped start this church in Corinth, and now he has subsequently left the church to continue his missionary work. And he's heard a report that the church is in trouble. Now, I just want you to know, uh, anywhere I go, I brag on you. And I'm not lying. You can ask Marcia. Uh, up to a point, if my pastor friends are having a really hard time, I try not to brag too hard because I don't want to feel bad. You know what I mean? But I love to brag on you. I love to tell people how great a church I have, how wonderful it is to be here. Uh, and I, I'm not lying. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't normally tell you that because I don't want you to get big heads. But that's the truth, right? But, but let's be honest. There is no perfect church, just as there is no perfect pastor. And, and I... And I grow in appreciation for our church when I learn more and more about the church in Corinth. I've heard it said that, you know, if churches didn't have problems, we wouldn't have letters in the Bible. Because so much of the New Testament scripture are letters to churches who are having problems. If you magnify that a hundredfold, that's what's happening in Corinth. They're suing each other. They're embroiled in this weird... uh, How do you put this? A son is having sex with his mother. How about that? How about I just tell it to you straight and you parents can clean this up with your kids later, all right? Now that's bad enough. Now that's bad enough, but the church celebrated it. They said, look how open-minded we are. It's pretty terrible, right? They would get together and those who were wealthy and could afford it hosted the party where they would get drunk on wine as they were supposed to be taking the Lord's Supper together. So uh, you may not be, you may be looking for a perfect church. You're not going to find it, but I can at least tell you we're better than the church in Corinth. I think at least, I mean, I, I, I think we're doing a little bit better than they are as imperfect as we are. This is a hot mess. Think of how Paul must feel. He helped start this church. Now he hears these reports about this church He loves this church. He sees what they're going through. Let me add to this scenario because if it were just that, Paul would just swoop in and fix things, right? But but a lot of them didn't think much of Paul. In fact, in in the second letter to this church, he actually quotes them and says in 2 Corinthians 10.10, some of them say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. That's what a strong minority in the church in Corinth thought of Paul. So much so that in the first letter, Paul addresses this issue that, you know what? I hear there are fractions happening in this church. Some of you follow this person. Some of you follow this person. Some of you are trying to follow me. And you're dividing people up based on who they like the most. And I don't know, but Paul, I don't think was in the lead, at least not in a lot of people's mind. They thought of another guy. His name was Apollos. He was a fantastic preacher. Paul evidently 
didn't seem that impressive to everyone, but Apollos was a fantastic preacher. And there was no beef between Apollos and Paul, but Paul saw the problem. Who you should be following, who you should be relying on, who should be the center of your church and your lives is not a person. It's not a human like Apollos and me. It's the person human who is also God, Jesus. That should, he's the one. He's the one. So I'm just setting this up. This is what Paul's dealing with. Now, if that were me, I would feel hopeless. I would feel powerless. What can I do? What can I say? And Paul says in what we read earlier, is that he resolved to know nothing but Jesus. He did not desire to come in power, but he came in weakness. He came with great fear and trembling. He did not desire to preach like Apollos in some powerful message to convince everyone. And Apollos did nothing wrong, don't get me wrong. But that wasn't his way of operating. He said his preaching was not with human wisdom and persuasive words. What Paul relied on then, which is what I think Paul's relying on now as he is writing 1 Corinthians which is what he is telling his people to rely on, which is what I am telling you today, is he says, no, my my words were a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? I came and preached you with a desire to share God's word through the Spirit's power. This is a bit of a tangent, but it's worth going on for 30 seconds. We have access to more preaching in the world than ever before. A lot of it is probably good, but a fair amount of it is not so good. We can be seduced into someone who is a good talker. And they may have great stories. And they may be eloquent. They may seem wise. They may have a powerful voice. But what you want to look for and what I want to look for when I want to hear good preaching, it's, is the Spirit in this? Is the Spirit of God at work in this? Is it, the, is, it, is it the Spirit's power on display here? If I walk away from hearing a message and I think, what a wonderful, great, amazing preacher. If I were that preacher, I would feel bad about that. I don't want you to leave here today thinking about what a great sermon Pastor Matt delivered. I want you to walk out away from here today thinking about what a great God who knows you and loves you. I want you to leave not thinking about how powerful of a preacher I am. I want you to leave thinking about how powerful of a God we have. And so Paul says, that's what I'm after. He says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Adam Lane Smith gave, I think, really good human wisdom. But I think Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, is giving us even better godly wisdom in which there is power. So you and I, we're going to feel those moments, aren't we? We're going to feel those moments of powerlessness where we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to change it. 
past, present, or future, there's going to be some moments in our life where we are going to feel a sense of powerlessness. I want to encourage you, don't give up. And don't rush off to get that power on your own. Let that sense of powerlessness, let that be your cue that here's your chance to rely on God. Here's your chance to seek His power. Here's your chance to ask Him to give you what you do not have. Here's even what Paul says. It's amazing that he would say this. Here's your chance to delight in your weakness. Y'all are so quiet. Anybody want to say amen to that? Come on. There we go. That's what Paul said. Here's your chance to delight in your weakness. Not because you've given up. Not because you figured it out. But because you have a powerful God who stands behind you. Who goes before you. Who's right next to you. That's what you've got. And it's amazing to me that this is how God communicates his presence to us. He doesn't come as a powerful king, a powerful military leader. He comes into a lower middle income, uh, very possibly a very poor family. Not born in a palace, but in a stable. We know this stuff. Don't let the fact that you know these things keep it from blowing your mind that when God said, I'm going to step into this world and I'm going to affect change, this is how he came. And the moment that I think probably should have looked like the darkest day in human history is Christ crucified. Paul says, that's what I'm about. I'm not about human wisdom on display in powerful positions. He says, I'm about Christ and him crucified. And biblically speaking, that's our power. That's our source of power is a man who is crucified. You hang naked for hours in excruciating pain. Does that sound like power to you? But what did God do? God used that moment of powerlessness to show the world what he was all about. Reflecting on this, Paul said this to the church in Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 18. He's praying for them. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Let me get to middle of verse 19. He's praying for them. He's asking God to help them. One of the things he prays for them that can be our prayer today, is he says, he says, I'm praying for you. He says, I'm praying that you would have an experience of his incomparably great power. Verse 19. He's praying that the church in Ephesus would have an experience of God's incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power that he is praying for you, that power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The power that rose Christ from the dead is accessible to us. But not if we give up. And not if we go out and try to get it on our own. But if we will come to him in our weakness, in our powerlessness, and confess to him, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I can't figure this out. I don't have it within me. In that moment, you're stronger than you've ever been. Let's pray. 
Father God, what good news you have given us. That the power to overcome sin and death, terrible circumstances, great temptation, that the power to overcome all of those things do not come from within us and cannot be found in the world around us, but is freely given to us in the person of Jesus, in his death, and in his resurrection. So God, help us to come to you, just as Paul did, and pray to you, asking for your strength in the midst of our weakness, asking for your power when we have none. And I 100% believe, God, that if we will do that, though it may not happen in an instant, but if we do that and if we continue to do that and if we do that for days and weeks and years, we will become more powerful than we have ever been because it's not our power at work in our lives. It's your power. And you showed your power to us when you rose Jesus from the dead. So God, help us not walk out of here today feeling hopeless because of our powerlessness. Help us not to walk out of here today with some human thinking about how we can get the power that we want or need. Help us in this moment, before we leave this place, to confess our weakness to you and to ask you for the strength we need. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that God has spoken to you this morning through his word. Maybe that uh, stirs up some things for you that you want to pray about. And that's what our invitation is for. It's a chance to respond to the Lord. I'm going to be off to the side here. And if you want prayer, I'd love for you to come forward and give me a chance to pray with you. Uh, or pray where you're at. Do whatever the Lord leads. But let's not leave this place today without responding to Him and the message He has put on our hearts today. So would you stand with me as we enter into this time of invitation?